Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 109. Hey, this is Griffin Brule from The Journey of a Young Gun. If you're wanting to learn how I network with billionaires and celebrities, you should listen to this episode of Build Your Network with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, I'm sure you've heard me and my guests talk a lot about the importance of masterminds. I know I personally would not be anywhere near where I am today without spending tens of thousands of dollars investing into building relationships in a mastermind setting. So on that, I am opening up a second round of my mastermind, Build Your Network Alpha in order to build relationships with some of you guys out there. If this is something that interests you, please head over to buildyournetwork.co slash alpha to submit an application and hop on the phone with me to chat about it. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Griffin Brule. Griffin is a highly recognized corporate flight attendant and entrepreneur living in NYC. He's known for achieving rapid success as a corporate flight attendant in an industry in which only 3 to 5% consists of men. This has led him into becoming an entrepreneur, investing in business deals such as a wine brand, Sawgrass, as well as being an ambassador for a revolutionary tech startup, ShipChain. Griffin utilizes the powerful knowledge from his clients to empower others seeking to 
to accomplish their goals. He shares his journey as a keynote speaker, sharing the stage with renowned entrepreneurs such as ABC TV's Shark Tank investors. He is a, a writing contributor to The Flight Attendant Life and is the content producer of The Journey of a Young Gun, where he shares knowledge he learns throughout his journey. Griffin, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. Uh, super excited to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and expound just a tad on the intro and then tell us what you're most excited about right now. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Travis. I really appreciate it. So basically, yeah, I'm a corporate flight attendant. I've been doing this for about three years now. Love it. But I'm really trying to grow into more of into the leadership role, into you know standing on the stage and basically sharing with others what I've learned throughout my journey and what I've learned from these billionaires and extremely influential people that I've been able to have the privilege to fly. I'm super excited because I am now expanding into more keynote speaking. And also I'm soon to be launching a clothing line that is going to be geared towards more of a flight attendant apparel. So any actually really anybody can wear it. It's going to be basically expanding on my brand with all of my logos and it's going to be awesome. So. Oh, really cool, man. Yeah. So I'm glad you put a little bit of a explanation as to what a corporate flight attendant was. So a little bit of background, Griffin, you were flying with JetBlue for a couple of years. And then I was going to explain it, but I'll just have you explain it. Tell us what you mean by corporate flight attendant. What exactly does that look like for you? So a corporate flight attendant is basically a, it's a flight attendant on a private jet. So you know, most people, they get on a plane and they see a flight attendant on an airline or that if you know, they fly on the airline. So basically what my job is, I have to provide a high-end service for the top 1%, 0.001% really, of those people in the world. So I'm on private jets. I have to serve fine dining meals, but also interact with these high-end individuals and kind of get to know them and get to know who they are and what they like as a person so that I can grow their, help them throughout their flight experience. So... Yeah. So how did you get started with all this, man? I mean, I know what you're 23. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. 23. So this is something that you've been doing for, I think, four or five years now, like literally since you were basically right out of high school. As soon as you get on a plane, you've been doing this. So where did the desire to become a flight attendant come from, first of all? And then how did you figure out this whole like other arena? Because I just, you, just stuff I never even thought about, you know, until I met you. I was just like, oh, yeah, I guess that private jets would need flight attendants as well. Um, I just never even thought about it. So walk us through that whole time period of your life. So I guess in high school, I kind of always knew I loved aviation, I loved planes, but I really needed a way for me to get out of my town that I was in and really do something that I love, but also that would give me the chance to just leave, if, if that makes sense, to put it bluntly. Totally. What I did was I started applying. I met a lady who was a flight attendant, and she kind of told me what I needed to do to become a flight attendant, all about networking. <laughs> and one time I was, basically I was a part of a direct sales company at the time, and I I was still looking for more. I wanted to leave. I needed to just get out. And flying came along. I met a girl on a plane who was a flight attendant. And she told me what I needed to do in order to become a flight attendant for JetBlue. So what I did was I took her number. We kept in contact. And long story short, she ended up helping me get on with a small regional airline. It was the only airline that would hire a 19-year-old. So I was pretty lucky there. And eventually went into JetBlue and just fell in love with aviation. They always say that it kind of just gets in your blood. Either you love it or you hate it. And I was one of the lucky ones who just ended up falling in love with the career, but also the industry. The industry is like so large and it's just, it's amazing and it's full of disadventure and amazing people. So I was really excited. But you know what? Halfway through that journey, it almost became a, you know, they always say like, 
what happens when your dream becomes a nightmare. Have you ever heard people say that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that happened to me. I was uh, flying for JetBlue for a while. I was making no money and I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, honestly. I was wanting change. I needed a way to, I loved what I did, but I was kind of sick of being in a rut. I felt like I was not really around a lot of positive people. This is when there were things changing in aviation. You know, a lot of the clientele started to shift in the point that people were just becoming so angry and rude at us. And I needed a way to be, I knew I wanted to be a millionaire slash billionaire all my life, but how was I going to get there? So what I thought to myself is, okay, I didn't really realize that you could be a flight attendant on a private jet as a male until I met a pilot. He was a pilot on a private jet and he took me for a ride on the plane. And I said, wow, you know, what would it take for me to get on here? And he's like, well, you know, men can do it too. <laughs> so I was like, well, he's like, there's not many of you, but this is exactly what you would need to do. You got to go to this training and then you have to network and just get yourself on the plane. And I thought to myself, if anybody can do this, if anybody can like be of amongst the 3% who actually succeed at this, I'm going to freaking do it. Right. <laughs> so right. I did the training and right out of training, I met a mentor in training. His name was Scott and okay. Scott basically paved the way for me. Okay. Here's the do's and don'ts. Here's exactly what you need to do. Here's how you get your resume out there. And he really helped kind of guide that path for me when it came to how to do the job. So I got in. You know, I did my first trip and the funny part about my first trip was my first trip consisted of nobody wanted to fly this client. And the only mm -hmm. person that would basically volunteer was me because everyone said no. So they were kind of like out of luck. And Tell us why nobody else wanted to fly this client. This person was extremely particular and mean. Like just, just she just made people cry. <laughs> she just, the joke was, in training, they said, you'll be fine unless you have to serve sushi or serve this person. And I actually... <laughs> they they said that in the training. Right. They, they wow. said that in the training. Wow. And I happened to get that person and that person asked for sushi. So I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the perfect storm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the perfect storm. But, you know, in turn, because of that... I flew with her for about a week. And at the end of the trip, she was brutal in the beginning, but then I just kind of didn't let her treat me like crap, like she would treat yeah. everyone else. And This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine 
is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Be a little bit more specific on the brutal thing. What were a couple of things that you had to do during that? Well, <laughs> there was a few different things. The catering was always crazy. So I would have to drive like three hours to pick up certain dishes because she wanted it from that specific store. In flight, I didn't serve something right. So as I was walking away, I got like a fork thrown at me. (laughs) Uh, I did a lot of things wrong. And I'm actually surprised that she didn't fire me as soon as we landed. Yeah, She continued to like put up with me. And I think the problem was that I put up with her. So, (laughs) you know, I was all she had. So we ended up actually liking each other by the end of the trip. And I kind of liked the crazy chaos, her always late, just how it always was always something different. And I always had a challenge and I just loved that. And because of her actually asking for me back, it actually started my career. I began getting a lot of different clients who were particular And it actually started this niche market for me where I got to kind of branch out and become that person that people needed on the flight. And I just kind of always remained humble, so to speak, and just always kind of just did what needed to be done. And it just actually took my career off completely because of that one trip. When you found out who it was, because for those of you listening, Griffin can't say names of people that he flies with signs and on disclosures and all that good stuff. But if he were to tell you the name of this person, everybody listening would know exactly who it is. When you found out, like when you were flying people like this, were you like nervous? Like you're meeting these people like A-list celebrities, billionaires, people that everybody, household names, were you nervous like going in to serve them like right off the bat? And how did you handle that in this situation? Yes and no. I was nervous more because I, to be honest, didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I mean, I was like, oh, crap. I remember there was a Caprice salad that was ordered, and that was what was requested. And Mm -hmm. when I got the item, it only came with a tomato, mozzarella, and basil. And I was like, oh, my God, they forgot the lettuce. I was freaking out when really the Caprice salad is just that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I kept calling it a Capri salad and everyone's like, what the heck's a Capri salad? They didn't know what I was talking about. Mm. So I think that in the beginning, it was more of, they were just a body in front of me and I was just trying to figure everything out. Yeah. But I also started to realize that they are human. Mm. And in the beginning, I kind of had this aura or idea of what these people were like. I just assumed that they were these powerful people and they just like, when they walk in the room, it's like the pearly gates opening, you know? <laughs> like, and right. what I realized is that they're human. They still are tired. They still, you know, make mistakes. They still yeah. go through things that we all go through. And when I started realizing that I'm working with them, I'm not working for them. That was when I, my whole mindset on who I was flying completely shifted. Yeah. One thing I really want to point out here, because I think it's awesome, the ability to take action is severely, I think, underrated these days, especially in the information age when you can pull up anything at your fingertips. There's always a reason why you shouldn't do something. And there's always a reason to not go out and chase your dreams or whatever it may be. So one thing I really like about this is that I remember we were talking, you came out to Vegas recently, we went, sat down, had some sushi together and stuff. And you were talking about how you 
the only thing that you could cook before this job was like scrambled eggs. And you were like, and bro, they're like bad scrambled eggs. So what I think is cool is that now you're preparing like gourmet dishes for multi-billionaires and A-list celebrities. And like you said, didn't even know what a Caprizi salad was made of and didn't even know what the name of the salad was. But the bottom line is you still took action, went after it, and then said, you know what, I'm going to figure this thing out. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't have to have a four-year college degree in order to like be confident behind my ability to solve a problem. Like, there's a challenge and I'm going to overcome that. And I love so much about that. And then the other thing is that you're 23 years old. You're obviously not making millions and millions of dollars at this point. But the coolest thing about this to me is your ability to look into the future and see long-term. The relationships that you've been able to create by doing this, what you're doing right now, and all that kind of stuff is just mind-blowingly fascinating to me. Because I was telling my wife this when I, after I had lunch with you, I was just like, man, if I would have known that this existed when I was like 18, 19, I would have been all over it. So props to you for doing that. So what have been some of the biggest networking challenges that you've had to overcome because literally... So for those of you listening, when you start into this career, it's not like a regular flight attendant thing where like you get put on a schedule and you have a salary and all that kind of stuff. You're literally a business owner. You're an independent contractor. Like Griffin was saying, you have to just network and network and network in order to be able to book jobs. So you could end up going to this training and pay for this training and take time off work to go to this training and then just not book something for months and months on end because you're not doing your job of like treating it like it's an actual business. So can you walk us through that? Griffin? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I have had to learn is when it comes to networking, you just have to show up. I realized in the beginning that what kind of separated me from others was that I would just be there and be present. And one thing that I had to overcome was the fact that, yeah, I'm new, but people aren't seeing that. Like when I show up, if you show up and you present yourself as this like, yeah, I may only have one flight under my belt, but I'm ready to learn and I can do this and I am confident in myself, that kind of puts everything else to the side. I always find people always think that, oh, you know, they show up to these places and they think they kind of like cower down. They're like, uh, I don't really think I, oh, well, I'm new. And they start saying everything that they aren't good at. And I caught myself doing that in the beginning. I'd say, oh, well, I'm still new. I'm still learning. And I realized they don't give a, they don't care. Right. right. What they want to know is that you're going to go there. You're going to take care of their clients and you're going to do the best you can and not even flinch if there's something thrown your way. Like just if something changes or if something happens on the plane where they're like, I don't want that. I want something else. You have to have the confidence to go in that galley and be like, all right, cool. So what am I going to do with a piece of lettuce and leftover chicken, <laughs> you yeah, know, right, and right. turn it into tuna? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but, you know, I found that in the beginning, I did do that. I started pointing out the things that I wasn't good at instead of being like, hey, I may be new at this, but I have tons of commercial experience. I can tell you if your engine flares out, I can tell you when the landing gear is going down. I know my safety stuff, which is, you know, first and foremost on a plane. So I stopped saying like, oh, I can't, you know, oh, well, I'm new. I started saying like, yeah, like, what have you got? Like, what do we have? Because I would go into interviews and they'd say, you know, tell us about a time when. And they were kind of looking for me to say, oh, well, I've only had one flight. And when really I would take scenarios of that one flight and twisted it. You know, I had so many stories from my first trip that when I had a question asked in an interview, I could answer it using that one trip. So it's not that they could see on my resume that I was new. But if I'm telling you 15 different scenarios that I've already had, and I've only been flying a month, Mm -hmm. I should say something. Right. 
So that was one of the biggest things. And also taking no's as a not yet. So when I would get into a situation where I would be in an event and they'd say, oh, sorry, you know, you're too new when you get some experience, which is AKA, we don't want you. Right, right. I would say, okay, not a problem. And I just continue to follow up and I would just drive them nuts until eventually I became one of their crew. So (laughs) yeah. Totally. I, that's another thing I think that's underrated, taking action and being persistent Two really yeah. underrated things, especially now for some reason. I think it's that imposter syndrome that bubbles up because people are like, well, I don't like it when somebody annoys me, so I don't want to annoy anybody. And it's like, well, you're coming across with the, the wrong mindset. And if that's what you feel, then that's what you're going to project on that person. And then they probably will feel that you're being annoying. Also, there's different like tools and tactics and little things and phrasings that you can say while you're following up that make the next follow-up point a lot more natural and way less, you know, quote unquote annoying. But the bottom line is just doing that, eventually you can wear people down and a lot of people respect it, especially professionals who have worked their butt off to get to where they are. They can respect the hustle and understand that, man, this kid is not going away. It's funny, bro, because like since I've been doing my show, I've got like over 105 episodes now, I think, released and a few more in the bank right now. And it's funny because when I was first reaching out to people, I had a couple influencers literally tell me that they say no on the first time around just to see who will come back and ask again. And they said it weeds out like 60 to 70% of people just because they get one no, they're like, okay, no worries. And then they don't ever reach out again. So they're like, well, it weeds out all the not serious people for me. And then if somebody asks a second time, then a lot of times they'll do what they did. So I asked for an interview of this particular guy and he goes, no, I don't have time. People pay a lot of money for my time. It wouldn't be fair to them. And I was like, okay, that's fair. And then I asked again, like a couple weeks later and just in a different way from a different you know, source. And then he was like, yeah, for sure. And he scheduled it that day. And then when I got on the phone, that's when he told me, he's like, yeah, I say no to everybody, man. I say no to everybody the first time. And then whoever's persistent are the people who like get the interview. And it was just like mind blowing to me that so many people, that large of a percentage of people that would say that they're hustlers, that would say that they're entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, but they give up after one no. So how important is having self-confidence in your ability to overcoming rejection? I feel self-confidence is far none. The Probably in my position, especially the best trait you can have, because if you believe in yourself and you project that, people see that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been on the plane and in front of like extremely particular people. And <laughs> You get like the rundown by the assistants and you get the rundown by, you know, the brokers and everybody in between. And they're like, oh my gosh, like maybe odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> and, then, right. and I'm like, okay. And I get on the plane and, I, and as soon as like they come on the plane, I'm just like happy. And I know that if something happens, I'm confident. Yeah. If, if they throw a curveball, I'm like, bring it. I love it. I love when somebody throws a curveball. Mm-hmm. So by having self-confidence can totally set the standard and set the tone of the entire trip. And I had a one particular instance, we were flying for a birthday, okay? And it was a very particular person. And I like should have known, you know, they had requested champagne. So wouldn't it be like smart to keep the champagne on ice so that when they board, they can have the champagne? Mm. Well, this person is known for being like, if something doesn't go their way, it's like, whoa, you better run. (laughs) I just straight up owned it. I was like, they asked for champagne. And I said, you know what, as it turns out, I completely forgot to put the champagne on ice, but this is how I'm going to fix it. And you know, I apologize, but basically like, this is all I can do. I gave you, I told you what I did. I screwed up. I owned it. And this is how I'm going to fix it. And they were like, 
they just laughed and they're like, ha, not a problem. <laughs> and it's like, had I have been like, oh my God, right, right. Hi, this is so embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, here's this excuse. Here's this excuse. Yeah. Here's that excuse. Yeah. And I, I was, woke up late and my hair. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and there you go. I love when the people go, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. And you're just like, you just lost. You lost. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so many exactly. times, if I wouldn't have had confidence in myself and who I am, I would have not gotten probably 90% of my work. Wow. It's so, it's so important in anything, you know, even like being able to stand in front of a billionaire and be like, Hey, I don't work for you. I work with you. Mm. And just the whole shift of the plane. It's like, I always try to say that, like, it was a pleasure working with you. And it almost makes it like, I'm not your friend. I'm not trying to be your friend. I want to work with you so that we can, you know, it's basically like a collaboration and the mindset of the plane completely shifts because they become more comfortable. When I say I'm working for you, it's like, oh, okay. Like somebody working for them standing in their living room. That's kind of awkward, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They almost feel like they got to hand you a task list or something like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love that answer, bro, because self-confidence is in short supply. I think these days with social media and stuff like that, it's easy to measure yourself based on like who you think you are even if you're better than who you think you are, if that makes sense, especially with like, you know, you only get three likes on a post and that guy gets a hundred likes on a post. And like, it just, there's so many ways to destroy your self-confidence these days. And so it's so crucially important to make sure that you're always finding ways to deposit into your self-confidence bank instead of make withdrawals on that. So Griffin, this is a question I ask everybody that comes on the show. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Who you know, for sure. Reason I say that, I take you back to when I first started flying. Had I not have known Scott, I would not have made the connections that I did because he taught me what I know. So if you surround yourself with the right people and you always have to make sure that you're not the smartest person in the room. And when who you know outweighs what you know, those people you know will help you with what you know. Right. So if that was kind of a tongue twister, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) Totally, totally. You hit the nail on the head with that one, bro, because I had this conversation recently with a listener of the show and we're kind of back and forth and they were like, I think that it's both, you know, like you have to have the what. And I was like, no, I totally agree. It's important to be competent, but I think people a lot of times misunderstand what I'm saying by who you know. Like I'm not talking about like meeting a billionaire and having the wherewithal to be able to ink a deal with them when you like meet them and like seize that opportunity. You know what I mean? Like I think that's what people think when I'm talking about like who you know versus what you know. They're like, well, if you meet a billionaire and you don't have anything valuable to add, they're just going to write you off, whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, okay, I understand what you're saying. Like if I'm at a billionaire right now, I'm not going to be able to like sign a million dollar deal with them because I'd not like at that point in my career at this point. But if I meet a billionaire, like, can I make an impression on him by helping him out with something or asking him really good questions that I can take in like a mentorship type of a situation? Like, is there stuff like that that I can do? Oh, yeah, 100% definitely. And exactly what you said, the more you get around people like that, the more your what will just take leaps and bounds, bro. Like it won't just like barely grow like it does when you read a book or listen to an audio or something like that. Like it expands exponentially when you hang out with people who've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt and know exactly what you're going through and what you're trying to accomplish. So yeah, totally, totally agree with that. You know, a perfect example, I 
was on a trip. And when you become surrounded by billionaires all the time, they have pretty much most of them know each other. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. On a trip. there's only so many of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was on a trip and the client asked me where I was going. And I said, well, you know, I have another trip. Well, he happened to know, I said where I was going and he happened to know the person that I was supposed to be flying. And they ended up getting into like a, like a bickering war with who was going to like, work with me. <laughs> and so I was like, geez, this is like great. This is great problems to have when yeah. you have two billionaires fighting over who's who you get to work with. So. Right, right. It's also funny, like those kind of situations, because it makes you realize that billionaires, they're just people too, you know, like they have little squabbles still with you know, yeah. colleagues or people that annoy them or whatever, you know, like, no, I don't want you to fight with that guy. I want you to fight with me. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. it's like, just because like, you know, I like you fight with me, not with him, like, just because I don't like him. <laughs> you know, it's so, yeah, exactly. just so, so funny to me to hear stories like that. So tell us other than your first mentor, tell us about another time where a connection led to a big moment of success for you. Oh, I'll give you a great example. You know, Brandon Adams, Brandon mm -hmm. T. Adams. I met his girlfriend or his fiance, excuse me, Sam, when we were on a run in Orlando before I even became a flight attendant. And I happened to run into her and we just became friends. And six years later, now I get to work with Brandon and he's my mentor. Wow. So had I not met her, she basically opened the door for me to be like, hey, you need to meet, it was her boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. You need to meet my boyfriend because you two would really connect because when he kind of was introduced into her life. And I kind of saw that through social media. Mm -hmm. I noticed he was inventing the Arctic stick. So I was able to be a part, like to buy his Kickstarter campaign. Oh, okay. And I just kind of kept in contact with them. But had I not met her six years ago, six years today, I would not be working with them and pretty much transforming my entire brand all because of Brandon being my mentor. Wow. That's pretty insane. And then if you didn't know Brandon, I wouldn't have met you either then because you and I met at Brandon's event down in LA this past December. So that's what I love about networking, bro, is examining the butterfly effect, like how just one chance encounter, well, quote unquote, chance encounter can literally lead to an entire new path of your life. Like it can literally change who you are. And I love looking at like where people are and then tracing it back and figuring out how that was actually made to happen. And so many times it's because of like, you know what? It was just because I met that one person and then they invited me to this party and I went there and then this guy was there. I met him and his best friend is my business partner. You know, it's like always like it's just yeah. some crazy trail of networking. So I feel like you always have to take even like the negative situations and be like, even when you have like a negative, oh, I didn't want to be there. I shouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. And then you actually meet somebody coincidentally. Right. And then that can right. lead to so much more. So like every situation is so powerful when it comes to networking, because networking basically is how this whole world connects. It's right. crazy. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So a quick question for you, bro, with all the people that you get to hang around with and fly and work with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, do you get close enough with these people to actually form like personal relationships? Like if you're like in town, can you just like head over to the office and grab a beer or something like that? I always try to keep my distance to an extent. Okay. I do have, there's like two that I would, I don't want to say go out and have a beer with, but can shoot a text and say, Hey, how are you? Yeah. Or, Hey, I'm in town. Let's go have dinner. I always try to keep my professional distance yeah, simply right. because my job is, is very, you don't um, want to overstep your bounds. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. For sure. You don't want to ruin your reputation. So mm -hmm. yeah. I'm always trying to be mindful of that every time I bump with all of my clients, but yes, 
Definitely. answer your question, yes, there a are few, a few. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, that honestly, bro, like that, if there were, even if it was just one, it's totally worth it to have an open line of communication with the people that you're flying. Like that is literally invaluable. You cannot put a price tag on that. It is such a, a great story of networking. If you're a young person out there and you're not really sure what to do with your life and stuff like that, I would highly recommend reaching out to Griffin and just saying what's up and seeing if something that like what he's doing could be potentially something that you'd be able to do. If I could go back to when I was 18 or 19, this is exactly what I'd be doing. So Griffin, we got to move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers you ready yep this is the random round what profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt i would love to attempt being like encoding like becoming a coder it seems so interesting and it's something that i really don't make a lot of time for but i think that would be just something super interesting if you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour who would it be and why I would say Patrick Collison with Stripe. The reason is because I have followed kind of, I always see his stuff online and he's one of the youngest billionaires in the world. And how cool would it be to sit down with somebody who basically got his fortune when he was my age and just say, what was running through your mind? How did you do this? What did you do? And kind of see what his answers are. If you ever watch interviews with him, he's so unique and so genuine with how he words things. And I would just love to just sit down and say, okay, tell me everything you know. <laughs> like, how did you even form such a powerful company? And what was running through your head? And, you know, that sort of thing. So. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Videos. If you give me a juicy video to watch, I'll sit there and watch it. Second to that would be books. I love to sit this cool down with a book. What is a book that you've read recently that you would recommend? The last book I read was Think and Grow Rich with Napoleon Hill. The reason I would suggest that is because it basically puts everything that's running through my mind, it kind of categorizes it and helps understand that I'm not crazy. <laughs> this is like a real thing. So, Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Okay. So since I'm traveling all the time, it changes yeah, pretty much daily. But typically every morning I like to get up and make my bed. It basically organizes my brain to say, okay, you accomplished something. And also it makes me kind of have a clean space. I always have breakfast in the morning. Breakfast is so important to me. It just kind of wakes me up and keeps me energized and focused. I like to read in the mornings, kind of organize my day, see how I'm going to start my day. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> what is your go-to pump-up song? Ooh, Hall of Fame. Have you heard of that song? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favorites. Yes. I always like to go sit, walk through New York City anytime I'm especially like feeling a little down and just like walk through the buildings and be like, holy crap, people own these. And like, that's the Hall of Fame to me. So I always try to picture myself in the zone. Totally, totally. What are you not very good at? Learning when to say no. I sometimes tend to be given, you know, opportunities and I don't make time to rest or to kind of organize my day. So I end up catching myself doing, you know, calls until 5am because the people are in Europe or I'm in Europe. And then I have two hours of sleep and I'm not ready for my next day. That's probably my downfall is just kind of always just saying yes and doing it. And as we get everything wrapped up here, bro, what is one place online where we'll be able to find you the most? 
You can go to griffinbrule.com. That is my website. Also, you can find me on Instagram, The Journey of a Young Gun. Also, Facebook, Griffin Brule, as well as The Journey of a Young Gun is my page. Awesome. So go check out all the Griffin stuff that he's putting out there. So much great content, brilliant networker, and definitely reach out. Just say what's up. Tell him you heard about him on the show. Griffin, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I had a blast chatting with you. Thanks for having me, man. Have a good day. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.